0: Today on Bold Steps, Mark Job encourages us to stop and listen to the voice of God.
1: When's the last time you paused and said, God, it's me and you? I'm not going to talk. I'm not going to ask. I'm just going to stand here, and I'm going to be quiet, and I'm going to be in your presence, and I enjoy myself in that place of knowing that you are God.
0: Sometimes life can be loud, and when there are too many voices competing for our attention, is there a way to adjust the volume and find the voice that really matters? Welcome to Bold Steps Weekend with Mark Job. Mark is president of Moody Bible Institute and the senior pastor of New Life Community Church in Chicago, and I'm Wayne Shepherd. Last weekend, Mark began a message about finding and focusing on the voice of God, and today we'll continue this insightful lesson titled, Turn up the God volume as we learn the essential steps that we need to take in order to hear the voice of God more clearly. This message is part of our larger study from the book of 1 Kings called Unstuck, and so without delay, let's get started. Here's Pastor Mark Job.
1: It seems like you can hear the word over and over and over, and it seems like the word is just bouncing off your soul and not having any transformative power in your life. Why? Because you're hearing the word physically, but you're not hearing the word spiritually. I have an iPhone, and there's something on the iPhone called Siri. I tell you what, Siri has hearing problems, I think. (laughs) Because every time I talk to Siri, she always gets my words messed up. I'll say, call my wife, Dee Dee. And Siri will say, there is no hee hee in your list yesterday, I I said, tell my wife I'm at the restaurant already. It's called Magos. And my wife got a note that said, I'm at the restaurant, Mafia. It's like, (laughs) she texted me back, what does Mafia mean? No, 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 you got it wrong. So I know it's called a smartphone, but it's not that smart all the time. But have you ever been in a conversation with your mobile phone? And you're talking to someone and then they start, can you hear me now? That's what I do. You understand that sometimes in order to hear clearly and have clear reception, you have to change positions. You have to get out of the place that you're at and get into a new place in order to hear. That's exactly the first point that I'm making, that if you have a lack of clarity in your reception that maybe God is asking you to get out of the position that you're at, a position of pride, unforgiveness, a position of delayed obedience, a position of anger, something that's clouding your ability to hear God clearly. Get out of your cave and into a place where you can hear the voice of God. Number two. Not only will you need to reposition yourself, but you also will need to turn up the God volume by responding to his sound without delay. These next verses are some of the most puzzling verses of scripture because they're dramatic yet oftentimes difficult to understand. Elijah was told to get out of the cave, but instead of responding to God, Elijah stays in the cave. God says, step out of your cave, but sometimes we prefer an old problem than a new solution. Some of us are more comfortable with the old, even though it's not working, than with the new, even though it could work. Some of us stay in the comfort of our problem instead of stepping out of the risk into a new situation. And so instead of obeying God, he stays in the cave, and then, Scripture says, And then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, they came an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, they came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. Wind like a tornado, earthquake that shook the cave, shattered rocks and cracked the mountains. And fire, blazing fire that consumed everything that was around it. Now, have you ever wondered why God went to all the trouble to create these divine theatrics? And that the passage emphasizes the fact that God was not in it. Think about it for a moment. God has asked Elijah to come out of the cave, and instead of obeying, he stays in the cave. And then, while he's in the cave, God sends a tornado. Now, this is not a little wind that knocks over your umbrella. This is the kind of wind that demolishes houses. The kind of wind that takes rocks, boulders, and throws them around. So while Elijah's in the cave, he hears the howling of the wind, the crashing of the rocks happening outside of the cave. This is dramatic. But God, God's not in it. Then after the wind, there's an earthquake. Imagine being inside of a cave when an earthquake is happening. In 1812, there were some miners that were in Mammoth Cave down in Kentucky area, and an earthquake happened, and they describe it as this huge roar that comes from inside of the cave as they begin to tremble and rocks begin to fall, and this noise that comes from the very belly of the cave coming out has to be horrific. But God is not in the earthquake. And then a fire, a fire where he feels the heat even from the mouth of the cave, this dramatic display of divine fire, but God, he's not in the fire. I want you to hear me well. As I pondered this and thought, well, why did God do all of this? It struck me. I believe that sometimes... God has to bring about dramatic manifestations and noise to get our attention. Some of us will never listen until God grabs our attention through the dramatic. Have you ever noticed a motorcade that the president is in or a dignitary is in? There's always a car that goes up front with the flashing lights and the siren reminding people, get out of the way. Something is about to come. But the president doesn't ride in the car with the flashing lights. The president's coming behind him. The flashing lights is just to say, something is on the way. Be ready. You see, I believe that God created all this dramatic moving of the mountains and roar and fire because he was getting Elijah's attention, preparing them to hear the gentle whisper of God. Let me ask you a question. How many of you would not be in this place if you hadn't been through some dramatic, earth-shaking event in your life that finally made you stop and look to the heavens and say, God, I'm listening. Come on, be honest now. A divorce, an accident, a medical report, a depression, a wayward son, a financial crisis. How many of you know that God in his mercy brings about the dramatic to wake us up? How many of you know that sometimes it's the dramatic manifestations that finally bring us to our knees and we say, God. I'm listening. Tell me I need you. Sometimes the dramatic leads us to the place that we're finally ready to listen to the voice of God. Amen. (laughs) Charles Spurgeon, a 19th century preacher, put it this way. And now the thunder ceased and the lightning was gone. And the earth was still, and the wind was hushed, and there was a dead calm. And out of the midst of the still air, they came what the Hebrews call a voice of gentle silence. As if silence had become audible, there is nothing more terrible than the awful stillness after a dreaded uproar. The wind has stopped. Elijah's trembling in the cave and then suddenly he hears it. Oh, he's got a strain to hear it because it can barely, barely make it out. The Hebrew uses three words to describe it. Small, still whisper. Some people describe it as the gentle whisper. Some have translated as the sound of gentle silence or a wind that's blowing softly. But when Elijah hears it, He discovers that, yeah, God is in that. He wasn't in the dramatic. Oh, he allowed the dramatic, but he wasn't in it. He's in the still, small whisper of the voice. Let me tell you how God typically works. Some of us want God to work in dramatic ways, but typically what God does is the most life-transforming moments aren't in the dramatic encounters, but oftentimes they're in the gentle whisper of God to our soul. Sometimes it's when Everything's quiet. And we're still enough to hear the voice of God. That's when God is able to speak to us. And so Elijah hears this. He knows that God is speaking. He covers his face. He goes to the mouth of the cave. And it's at that moment that Elijah has an encounter with God. You see, I believe that God can be as loud or as quiet as God wants to be, but I believe that God oftentimes uses noise to get our attention. In the third chapter of Genesis, Adam and Eve are in the garden, they've fallen, they've made a mistake, they've blown it, they're hiding. And the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter three, verse eight, and then the man of his wife heard the sound of the Lord, the sound of the Lord God, as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Now, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in his spirit and in truth. Let me ask you this question. What does God sound like when he walks? Anybody here know? Oh, we could guess at it. Boom, boom, boom. That's Godzilla, not God. What does God sound like? I'm not sure what God sounds like when he walks. But I know that when you hear someone walk long enough and you hear their footsteps, you start to distinguish them among other footsteps. My wife tells me she can tell when I'm walking because my walk has a certain sound to it. If I hear my son or my, my daughter walking upstairs. I can tell which is my son and which is my daughter because they have different footsteps. Why? I'm familiar with their sound. I believe that God can be as loud as he wants to be or as quiet as he wants to be. But God was loud because he wanted Adam and Eve to know that he was there. Sometimes God has to make some noise before we're willing to listen to what he has to say.
0: You're listening to Pastor Mark Job, and this is Bold Steps Weekend. We'll return to this important lesson on hearing the voice of God in just a moment. But right now, I want to encourage you to let us know how we can be praying for you and your family as we get further into this new year. Here at Bold Steps Weekend, we take the time to read every card, every letter, and email we receive because we love discovering what God is doing in your life and throughout the whole body of Christ. So reach out today and connect with us by going online to boldstepsweekend.org. Right now, let's go ahead and dive back into Mark's message titled, Turn Up the God Volume.
1: Every other Monday morning, I have all the pastors gathered together in a room upstairs in this building. We have 25 New Life pastors. They come from all over the city. And let me tell you, they are quite the characters. They're entrepreneurs. They love Jesus. They want to make things happen. They're full of energy, loving people, pioneering. They're they're out on a mission seeking to do something. So we pack into a room, 25 of us in a crowded room. And when I'm about to start the meeting, I always have the same problem. I can't get their attention. They're just talking imagine a bunch of pastors that want to talk and relate and connect. And so I say, the meeting's going to start. They keep talking. So I flick the lights on and off. And then they kind of notice. And then I clap my hands. And then they kind of notice. And then I pray. And then they feel bad talking over me when I'm praying. So they all get quiet. But you see, I do those noises and make that commotion because we're about to start a meeting, something's about to be said, and they need to hear the noise before they're quiet enough to hear what is going to be said. Some of you, the best thing that could ever happen to you is the dramatic thing that happened to your life this past month, two months ago, three months ago, some of you are here thinking that the worst thing that could happen to you happened to you six months ago, a year ago, two years ago, in the last month. And you're thinking, I'm reeling from something very difficult. And I'm going to say, for some of you, it's the best gift you could have ever received because it's that gift that allows you to look to the heavens and hear the voice of God. So you better thank God. For the drama. Because without the drama, you wouldn't be listening. Lastly, number three. You need to turn up the God volume by dialing down the outside noise. It tells us that after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, He pulled his cloak over his face and he went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? See, Elijah knew intrinsically that this was the whisper of God. It wasn't dramatic and loud. There were no lightning bolts and thunder. It was the opposite of the supernatural disasters that had just taken place, but God was in it. The still small voice leading Elijah to the presence of God. You know, we live in a very chaotic world, don't we? You cannot live anywhere near Chicago or any big city. I mean, maybe if you live in Montana somewhere and you wake up in the morning and your nearest neighbor is you know 4 miles away and you have no electricity and no phone and you get up and the birds are chirping maybe it's easy to connect with god there but in chicago there's horns and there's police sirens going on and there's people all over and there's cell phones and busyness and traffic and chaos and people and noise and telephones and televisions and and loud music coming from everywhere we go and we can go from one busyness to the next busy place and sometimes there's so much stimulus around us that it's hard to be still. It's hard to find a quiet spot in a crowded city. It's hard to find a place where we don't hear noise. No one's around us. And I think that's why the psalmist said in Psalm chapter 46, verse 10, he says, God says, be still and know that I am God. Well, let me say that again. Be still and know that I am God. When's the last time you were still? when's the last time you paused and said god it's me and you i'm not going to talk i'm not going to ask i'm just going to stand here and i'm going to be quiet and i'm going to be in your presence and i'm going to absorb the fact that you are the god of the universe this the sovereign lord of all creation that you hold the worlds and the universe in the palm of your hand, that there's no one as big as you are, that you, God, orchestrate the past, the present, and the future. I'm going to be still and just bask in the knowledge that you are God and I am not that my boss is not God, that the mayor is not God, that you alone are the sovereign God of the universe, and I enjoy myself in that place of knowing that you are God. Your soul needs that sometimes. You need to be still and know that God is God. You see, some of you, the only time that you are ever still enough to think about spiritual things is when you come to the four walls of this church and you sat down and you say, here I am, God. I want to remember that you're God and that you're in control. Be still. Silence the voices. Turn down the music. And remember that he alone is God. A couple of years ago, two years ago, we had a public school down here, Edwards School, that was overcrowded. And so the principal and some folks came to us and they said, we're overcrowded. We would like to see if we can put our overflow classrooms in your church building. And I was like, beautiful, I love it. And so now, if you walk in the hallways of our building by our Sunday school classrooms, Monday through Friday, there's 165 kindergarten children that are in our Sunday school classrooms. So on Sunday, we teach them about Jesus, and Monday through Friday, they teach them about reading and arithmetic. Does anybody else like that? Because I really like that thought. and there's about six classrooms. These teachers do a phenomenal job, by the way. I know that sometimes the public school system gets a bad rap. But I've observed these teachers and they are phenomenal at what they do. They love these kids. They put a lot of effort and energy into it. They care about it. They buy school supplies out of their own pocket. They bring their kids, college kids, to help them set up the classrooms. And I just wanna say, let's give it up for some Chicago public schools that have difficult (laughs) situations, but yet they love their kids. I, I like the fact. And I was walking down the hallway one day and I once in a while go in just to say hi to them. I, I actually walk through and pray for them. I don't pray out loud, but I pray for them. And they all, hi, pastor, hi, pastor. And I, it just, it's just great to have them in the church. I was walking in the hall day, and there's about 30 of them walking through the hallway. And they were super quiet. And I was taken aback at how the teacher had them walking. The teacher had their hands clapped together, their index finger together like a prayer position. And she had their fingers like this. And I thought, that's genius. She's got their hands together so they can't touch each other. She's got their index finger over their mouth so they can't say anything. And they were walking so well behaved and so quiet. In fact, they were kind of looking up at me like this. I was saying hi to them. They're just. And I thought, you know, sometimes I believe that's what God wants the attitude of our heart to be. We're not pushing others around and we're quiet so that we can hear the voice of the one that's leading us clearly. Your hands clasped, your mouth shut, your eyes on whoever is leading you, God the Father. You're following him quietly, reverently. Knowing that he's in charge and knowing that you may not know where you're going, but God knows what he's doing. You're being still and knowing that he's God, that he sees around the corners of the future, that he has a plan even though he hasn't revealed it to you yet, that he's sovereign and knows what is best for you even when you don't know what is best for you.
0: You're listening to the Bible teaching of Mark Job here on Bold Steps Weekend. If you joined us a little late and you need to catch up on any part of today's message, you can do that anytime by visiting our website, boldstepsweekend.org. Well, sometimes trusting in the sovereignty and goodness of God's plan can seem difficult, especially when our lives feel stuck in a rut. That's why we're offering Mark's book, Unstuck, as our latest bold action gift. Going hand in hand with our current series, this engaging resource lays out the seven key steps we need to take in order to break out of our spiritual stagnancy. So if you've been feeling as though your life has been stuck on pause, be sure to request your copy today and we'll be happy to send you Mark's book, Unstuck, when you give a gift of any amount to support this ministry. You can send your gift and request for the book by visiting us online at boldstepsweekend.org or by giving us a call by dialing 866-535-5580. And if it's easier, send your donation in the mail. Just address your envelope to Bold Steps Weekend, 820 North LaSalle Boulevard, Chicago, Illinois 60610. Once again, that's 820 North LaSalle Boulevard, Chicago, Illinois 60610. And when you donate $30 or more each month, you'll gain access to our informative and encouraging bi-weekly email, The Bold Partner Post. You'll also receive 50% off anything in the Moody Publishers catalog just a few of the ways we say thanks to our bold partners. So sign up today on our website. Once again, you'll find that at boldstepsweekend.org. I'm Wayne Shepherd on behalf of the entire team here at Bold Steps Weekend. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you again next weekend when Mark continues this series with a new message titled Reinvision Your Life Story. That's coming up next time on Bold Steps Weekend. Bold Steps Weekend is a production of Moody Radio. A ministry of Moody Bible Institute.